You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Milwaukee. Also the Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Plover, which apparently is a small town uh, just south of Stevens Point. Um, and when I looked up Plover on Google Maps, the cover photo, photo for Plover is a woman standing outside a Shopco in an empty parking lot. It's really strange. And I don't know, is that if I'm just really confused by the, this Google search that I just did, but that's okay. I'll, I'll make my way out there and learn a little bit more about our affiliate there in Plover. Um, but we'll keep it rolling there. Frank, Frank Madden is joining me. He is the founder of brew hoop. Frank, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing Okay gonna be traveling again soon uh just read my daughter uh, uh our our, our kind of handful of books that are our go-to put her to bed books um so dad and then walked around with her in my arms for a while and then you know there's always this like moment where you try and figure out is she now tired enough to <laughs> risk putting her down to go to sleep or is she going to immediately be mad and make you pick her up again and um fortunately there was a, a little bit of uh a little bit of dissatisfaction, but then she uh, she she went to sleep. So that's like a game um, of baby chicken. When she may, yeah, it is. It is. Um, she may have already started yelling at my wife, who's downstairs d- dealing with whatever uh, grenade I I tossed in there. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So hopefully my daughter is to sleep, and uh, hopefully we can get some some quick bucks talking tonight as the draft approaches and lots of other interesting things continue to happen. Okay. While we're here on children, um, my sister and brother-in-law were in town. They have, uh, a daughter and a son, my niece and nephew. And my sister, uh, introduced them to the magic school bus. And I had no idea that the magic school bus was on Netflix. Uh, so I spent, parts of this week watching the magic school bus which is awesome because i loved it when i was a child and also the magic school bus is really cool and i had no idea that it was on netflix and it was like a really cool realization i had no idea it was fun are you a magic school bus person frank no you know we're not we're not at the point of watching kids tv shows i don't know when you're supposed uh, i have no idea when you're supposed to start doing that my daughter's uh close close to five months old so yeah she just pretty much watches whatever we're watching which could be uh like m- my wife's big on uh uh, murder shows on on uh, investigation discovery okay. probably is not that great for kids um we watch tons of we watch tons of basketball and soccer so that that's you know that's better for kids obviously um so, uh, so yeah I, uh, I i i don't know i'm not sure if we're, we're, we may be dropping the ball on this at this point but um at this point you know we're still hoping that anything Thing we say aloud or show her on TV will just go in one ear out the other. Uh, we could be horribly wrong on that. <laughs> um, all right, 
let's uh, let's get into some stuff today. I guess this is something that I keep kind of getting, and uh, I think Bucks fans in general are curious about the sign and trade possibilities of Jabari Parker. Like, what is his value, and you know, could they? Uh, include him in a trade for Kawhi Leonard? Could they include him uh, in a trade with the 17th pick for a higher pick or a more proven wing play? I don't know. Like, Can you include Jabari Parker, sign and trade? Like, What's his value? And that's something that keeps getting brought up. And then one thing that I found interesting is that when I bring that topic up on Twitter, there's one response that I always get that kind of confuses me because it always is someone saying well it's too bad that you can't add anything to a jabari parker sign and trade um like you just have to do him and uh you know get some other stuff from a team and it was something that i felt like as i was going through i'm like i'm really sure that you can sign and trade someone with other pieces from your team i was very confident in it but it's come up so often that I, it was like one of those situations where you're questioning everything you know. Like, just wait, is there actually a rule against that that I don't know? Because a lot of people think this, and a lot of people would jump in my mentions and men- like say something about that. And uh, I looked it up and uh, didn't see any problems with it. I asked you, and you told me there weren't any problems with it. But where it does get a little bit confusing is that you aren't using the actual contract that he's getting signed to, you're using something slightly different. Can you explain that to everyone so we are all on the same page when we are talking about Jabari Parker signing trades, if that is something people are interested in, um, that we're all on the same page on this? Yeah, and and this is... Um, the, the issue is basically this idea of base year compensation, which is a lot less of an issue now than it previously was. Um, but the, the basic idea is that in a sign and trade, it used to be broader implications for this, but now it's really just sign and trade. So if you sign and trade and you're um, then put over the cap by making that signing, um, they don't treat the money going out the same way as sort of what it is kind of on the other side. So for instance, you know, and this is important too, like when I say above the cap, right? Because in theory, if there's a sign and trade, it's probably not with a team that has cap space, right? You assume that probably a team cap space would be more likely to just make them an offer and see if the bucks match um again not to say that that a team with cap space wouldn't potentially be willing to do some kind of sign and trade because again they think the bucks are going to match so they're willing to give something up um again in that scenario probably less than if a team was over the cap and they just had no way of even testing the bucks um or sorry if a team um yeah a team was over the cap and had no way of testing the bucks because they didn't have any cap um so the basic idea is that if let's just say Jabari Parker, you know, agrees to a sign and trade, and he's signs for let's say sixteen million dollars a year, um, assuming the Bucks, you know, the Bucks then would be over the cap um, since they have you know a pretty big payroll as is. Um, assuming the other team is also over the cap, the way it would work is that the other teams, for kind of like salary matching purposes, would effectively be taking a sixteen million dollar player like you know like normal. Um, but from a Bucks perspective, it would be as though they're shipping out half of. Uh, half of that 16 million so eight million dollars and so the challenge is and to match that right because you know the other team couldn't for instance just send back another 16 million dollar player and the rules are um essentially for, for in, and it used to be 125 percent plus 100,000 was sort of the matching rule and that now that only applies to tax paying teams um so now the rule is 
if the outgoing salary is zero to six and a half million, it's 175% of the outgoing salary plus 100,000. Um, if the outgoing salary is between six and a half and uh, just shy of 20 million, then it's the outgoing salary plus five million is the max that you can take back. And that's obviously the, the where where this kind of buck situation would fall in. So if Jabari is you know signing a sixteen million dollars salary that counts as eight, then effectively you could take back thirteen million. So there's still a lot of scenarios where you could probably make that work um, because again, like the other team could send back um, you know a thirteen million dollars salary and take back a sixteen million dollars salary because again that would be within the kind of thirteen plus five mm-hmm. range. So there are there are scenarios where you could do like a straight up kind of one for one trade, um, but again, like there's they're fewer than if there wasn't this base year compensation rule. And again, um, I was not thinking I would have to talk about this, so I just made these <laughs> made these up on the fly. Uh, damn you, Eric, for making me think <laughs> while I while I have the podcast. But um, but essentially, it just becomes a, a bit more difficult to match salaries. It's not not impossible, but more difficult. And um, and so. Also, a lot of times what ends up happening when it's harder to match salaries, a lot of times you just sort of, you know, with a situation like this, you just bundle more salary in with it because then, you know, basically uh, the relative value of or the difference in salary between the, you know, the half value and the full value is kind of swamped by all the other salary in the trade, if that if that makes sense. Um, and, you know, the rules, if, if it's 19.6 million or going out then it's 1.1 plus 100,000 so um and actually that's you know so again it's not like a a huge a huge necessarily difference in terms of flexibility but you get a little bit more bandwidth sort of as you throw more and more money in there um so you know again like can you construct trades involving Jabari Parker and like Eric Bledsoe again I I'm not aware of any restriction on on kind of a multiplayer sign and trade. You, I don't. I think you you cannot do like a multiplayer like more than one player being signed and traded from one side to another. Um, I believe you can do a sign and trade that happens where both teams sign and trade somebody. Again, though, then it becomes really challenging because you know potentially both guys may have this worth half what what they're worth going out versus coming in type type situation. So, um, but yeah, and and. I'll, also bear in mind the base year compensation thing only affects the guys when they get big raises. So for a veteran player, um, like if you're trying to trade for like Derek Favors from the Jazz or something like that, then wouldn't be less it would wouldn't be less of an issue. Derek Favors wouldn't himself be base year compensation, but Jabari, since you know we're talking about him, he would have that be an issue. So in any case, I don't think it's worth getting into a whole lot more detail. But um, I think just it's when you're talking about giving sign and trades for for young guys coming off of relatively lower salaries. And I think the the other really probably much more important than this is just I know people a lot of people are asking about like sign and trades regarding draft picks and things like that. I I, I I'm not aware of a sign and trade. I, first off, so Jabari Parker can't negotiate a contract with another team officially until July first. Now, yep. you know Chris Paul in theory did that when he decided to opt in and let the Clippers trade him instead of um, trying to just walk as a free agent last summer. But for a restricted free agent where you have basically a potential third team, you have the own team that can match, you have the player, um, you know, the idea that you're going to construct a trade on draft night involving an illegally uh, negotiated (laughs) sign and trade deal, (laughs) like I've never heard of anything like that. Um, I've never heard of a restricted free agent being effectively involved in a sign and trade that was negotiated on draft. I mean, again, like 
it's technically not legal just from a negotiating standpoint. There's obviously been a lot of fudging around that, um, that, that clearly teams talk to players, especially teams talking to their own players agents before July one. Um, but again, like it, it just stretches, I think it just stretches the, the realistic possibilities of what might happen. So again, like in, theory a team could pick a guy on draft night and then decide to trade him especially if you know if they don't sign the guy officially then they don't have to wait 30 days if they do sign a guy then they have to wait 30 days to trade him officially but um we saw that with wiggins and and kevin love a few years ago but um but yeah i i think if you're constructing sign and trades it's hard enough to do it uh you know just absent the potential of a draft night scenario but i think having to do it with picks in this coming draft on thursday um I'd, I would just bear a warning that that it is really asking for a lot to happen and possibly something that really just is never done. So um, that would be my one warning. Yeah, and also I was going to say, like, just from a logistical standpoint, you are uh, that other team is putting a lot of trust into you, right? Like, if there's a pick involved, or I guess both sides are putting a lot of trust into each other, that you know Jabari Parker is not going to take a better deal. Um, that the pick is actually going to be what you want it to be. So, like, if you're negotiating today, as in, okay, well, we'll give you pick 17. Well, maybe on draft night you want something at pick 17. Like, there's just so much that would go into it that um, just, like I said, like, don't even think that Jabari Parker can be traded on draft night. Like, he can't. It would be, as Frank said, illegal to do it. And again, not that teams haven't done illegal things before, um, but I just think uh, there's just no way possible that both sides on this thing would have that much trust and faith in each other and be willing to hash out all of these details that we're talking about um, without millions of dollars uh, going into it. Like This is difficult for Frank and I to talk through in these five to ten minutes on this ridiculous podcast that we record every day. Like Think about an NBA team with millions of dollars at stake, with their first round pick at stake, with a huge free agent signing at stake. Like All of those things going into it, there's just, just no way um, that that could happen. So I guess a couple things to remember. One, Jabari can't be traded on draft night. Uh, two, there is base year compensation that makes things a little bit more difficult. Again, doesn't halt sign-in trades from happening. Um, doesn't mean that only the player being signed and traded can be the only player outgoing from the team that is signed and traded him. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it makes things all a little bit more difficult. So um, I guess just those were just some of the things that I wanted to throw out because. I know this time of the year I get a lot of uh, tweets about, oh, could the Bucks do this, or would this be a good idea, or, or all of those different things. And with the, I would say, limited assets that the Bucks have, I think a lot of people have circled Jabari Parker as you know one of the assets that they think that they can move. Um, and this is just kind of a reminder that it would be really difficult. Um, and also, a lot of times in signing trades, you don't get incredible value um sometimes you struggle to get a lot of value um i I would say brandon jennings for brandon knight and chris milton is very much the exception um and not the the typical uh return that you do get in those situations so just just wanted to kind of lay that out and remind people because i think this week it's going to end up coming up a lot and we should i don't want to say nip it in the bud because it's not i'm not trying to get rid of it i'm just trying to you know lay out as much as possible so people kind of understand there (laughs) 
Yeah, I'm 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 not sure I can think of a better example in the last five or six years of a team or even going further back. I mean, Joe Johnson, the Joe Johnson trade to Atlanta is sort of the gold standard of sign-in trades for like younger players uh, who are on restricted free agent situations. Um, and that was a bit different back then. Obviously, it was a different CBA way back then. I think that was like what, mid-2000s. Um, but Brandon Jennings really, I mean, you know, say what you will about John Hammond, like getting both – Chris Middleton and Brandon Knight. Obviously, we didn't know exactly what Chris Middleton was going to be at the time, but even just getting, you know, hitting the reset button with Brandon Knight, given where he was at his career, um, that was um, that was kind of a master stroke, to be honest. Um, so, uh, and, and I mean, you also got Vyacheslav Kraftsov out of that one too. So, I mean, don't we can't can't forget about uh, old Slava Kraftsov. I would never, um, I would never even think of sleeping <laughs> on him, Frank. I just would not do that. Um, but yeah, I, so we, we, we have been spoiled, but, uh, you know, could lightning strike twice? Certainly possible. I mean, Devard yeah. Parker obviously is a very much a brand name, but again, uh, and, and given the lack of kind of otherwise cap space, um, you know, again, it's, it's hard to find obvious teams that are going to make him the priority that they go spend, you know, precious cap dollars on. Right. And, uh, presumably teams, uh, you know, again, if you, it, but again, ultimately it comes down to really valuing Jabari Parker. Um, and again, I, I imagine as well in that situation, I don't think Jabari Parker is going to sign and trade for, you know, a max contract. Let's, let's say that. I don't think anybody's going to give the bucks much of anything for the privilege of, um, taking on Jabari Parker's max max deal. And obviously, that would also imply that the Bucks take back a fair amount of salary back, um, even with all the base year compensation stuff. So, um, yeah, I think I think if Jabari Parker is signed and traded, it's because there's basically a standoff. No team with cap space ends up really going after him. You know, tensions rise. The Bucks don't make an offer that he likes. He decides he wants to move on. You know, the 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 water uh, is is uh, uh, poisoned the well is poisoned is that is that the metaphor yeah, i'm looking for um and basically you know jabari ends up willing to take what maybe even the bucks would have been willing to offer him but maybe he ends up going for a, a deal that that is not a monster deal but um you know there could be certainly be a scenario where he says you know what? i don't want to be here anymore i, I want to go someplace else i want a better opportunity um and sign and trade me to some other team and and maybe that team then because he's not taking some massive deal um they're willing to actually give up something of value that the bucks would actually be willing to take back so that might be the one scenario i think where you could see jabari parker Jabari parker sign and trade i i don't you're definitely not going to, I mean, it's not going to be on July 1 in, in at least in the universe that I can foresee. Um, that you see it? like a July 1. I think you're much more likely to see a July 1 Bucks and Jabari Parker agree to a new contract scenario versus Bucks and Jabari Parker frame out some kind of sign and trade on July 1. But anyway, I could be wrong. No, I was going to say the only scenario in which a Jabari Parker sign and trade would be negotiated on July 1st is if Jabari Parker isn't the centerpiece of that deal, right? Like, if they're doing something very different where it's Eric Bledsoe or um, I don't know, maybe it's someone like the pick that they made, like something like that. Like I just can't imagine, like you said, that a Jabari Parker sign in trade would be something that was going to happen on June 1st because of, you know, with Jabari Parker being a restricted free agent, I think teams would kind of want to let their cap situation get sorted out and or to some extent, and then, you know, make an offer once that offer can actually like go on the record. Um, because otherwise you negotiate that on July 1st, then you can't officially make that deal uh, until the 6th, 7th. Um, and then, you got to still wait a couple of days after that. So there's just a, to me a, a lot there that uh, 
I, I would agree with you, Frank, that if a Jariah Parker signing trade happens, it's, it seems pretty unlikely that it would happen on July 1st. All right. Yeah, and, and I would just add to that, yeah, what you're saying about the date. So even if they agreed to an offer sheet on July 1 and Jabari Parker said, screw you guys, I'm going to sign an offer sheet with another team, um, it, it can't sort of go into effect until the um, – the moratorium ends on July 6th and then the Bucks would have two days to match. So basically the soonest that, that Jabari Parker could force the Bucks to make a decision would be by July 8th. And, uh, but also keep in mind, if he signs an offer sheet on, you know, at, at that point, the Bucks can't sign and trade him. Yeah. Once he signs an offer sheet, either you match it or he's gone. And if you match it, you can't trade him. He's got a no trade for a year anyway. So, and you can't, I think you can't trade him at all to the team that matched him. Kind of like what we saw with Alan Crabb. They had to wait a year before Brooklyn actually traded for him. So, um, so yeah, if you're hoping for a sign and trade, you, you know, and you see that he's signing an offer sheet, it's over. There's no sign and trade anymore. It's really the threat of the sign and trade or sorry, it's the threat of the offer sheet that begets the sign and trade because the other team is worried about the, the, the bucks matching. All right, uh, let's move on to draft stuff. Uh, we've talked to, uh, I mean, let me say this. I think we've done a lot of good draft stuff already. Um, I think Cole Zwicker is, I think, among the best. Um, he, he is not either of the Draft Express guys, but um, he is on that very next level uh, for people with the draft. So if you want his full breakdown, go back to let's see this is that's now two weeks ago that we did it um there's a thursday and friday part one and part two podcast that you should check out there um i would also suggest checking out everything that we discussed with mike clutterbuck last week at the end of last week that was thursday and friday of that week two-part podcast and i think between those two cole really goes into depth with the prospects and breaking down the video and doing some of that mike really hits on the numbers and uh, who his different models like and then mike also hits it's on, you know, what that process actually looks like. Uh, and uh, I tweeted out earlier today, but I do think that conversation we had with Mike is one of the best things we've ever done. Like, if you're actually looking for real insight to what all of this looks like, um, heading up to a draft, what teams are actually doing, what draft workouts look like, what goes into all these decisions, how those things get discussed, like, Mike hit on all of that stuff. So you should go check out that conversation. Um, Yesterday, we hit on some prospects that, you know, we were thinking about and maybe people uh, that could be there in the Bucks area. And then I wanted to talk about, uh, you know, in these next couple of days, maybe guys that we like or guys that we're thinking about. Um, and I think you have, you've made it clear that you are quite fond of Shea Gilgis Alexander. Um, that is one of your, I would say one of your guys, maybe not a guy that will be available for the Bucks at 17, but certainly someone that you're very interested in. Um, so there's two guys that I wanted to talk a little bit about tonight and it, I've mentioned him a couple times, but Troy Brown, uh, the wing prospect from Oregon. And I got to say, it's interesting to kind of go through all this as we parachute in from the outside, because I mean, neither of us are, uh, neither of us are draft experts and I will never, ever, ever, ever pretend to be one of those draft experts. Like you got to have, you got to have the actual experts, so we try to reach out as, to as many of them as possible. But he's someone that's interesting me just because I've talked about how you know I want guys that can do a little bit of everything, that um, can have the ability to play make a little bit, can shoot a little bit, um, and essentially I'm looking for guys, especially on the wing, that 
I feel confident can play in in Eastern Conference Finals or in, in NBA Finals. And um, I think as the NBA progresses, you're looking at guys that can defend and, uh, you know, can uh, switch a bunch of stuff, and can attack closeouts on offense, can hit some threes. And I got to say, Troy Brown was someone that I really liked. Uh, and I, I guess I was caught up a little bit in some of the workout videos that I've seen of him because it felt like he was a pretty athletic dude. And I was like, okay, a little bit of an athlete. Like, you know, maybe the jump shot's a little bit questionable uh, at this point, but, you know, he can really defend. He can kind of be that secondary playmaker that can attack a closeout. Like, there's, okay, there's a lot of stuff there that I like. And I think in the last couple of weeks, I've really kind of, one, it started with Cole calling him kind of Evan Turnery, um, which, uh, not a name I, I really want to hear uh, when thinking about NBA players, uh, just because Evan Turner, I think, is kind of the antithesis of uh, all of those, you know, kind of the idea of that 3 and D wing. And I, I don't know, maybe I'm just not as... I don't think I'm as confident, uh, not as confident as I once was that he's the type of guy that I'm looking for because I'm not sure if that three-point shot develops. Uh, I'm not sure uh, that he is as good of a playmaker as I thought he was. And so I just wanted to throw all of that out there because he's someone that interested me. Uh, do you have any thoughts on Troy Brown? Yeah, I I am also dubious um or, or at least i'm not ex- as that excited about him and again I, I have he's the guy that you probably have to watch to really get more excited about because doesn't really blow you away with measurables you know six seven two fifteen very evan turner like measurables um you know now nowadays probably a um you know probably a, a kind of three four type type prospect you know he's a point guard in high school um which is interesting right because at his size to to be able to play make and ball hand and handle and um you know averaged over three assists per game six boards as a freshman which is impressive right i mean that's that's an impressive combination 1.6 steals we like that um but yeah it, it's kind of just hard to figure out he just seems like one of those kind of jack of all trades master of none types yeah. and um you know you look at him he's an okay free throw shooter 74 percent was not a good three-point shooter, 29% last year. Um, was pretty effective, 52% two-point shooting. But you kind of watch the videos of him and, you know, really kind of below-the-rim player. Um, yeah. Like, games, like, it's it's hard to find a video of him dunking. I will often, like, I'll watch, especially, like, guards. Um, uh, I'll, I'll often kind of watch, you know, like, videos on YouTube of them, try to get, like, you know, like, the strength, weaknesses stuff. And then a lot of times, if I don't see any dunks, I'll I'll just I'll just literally YouTube you know player name dunk because mm-hmm. I just want to see like does, does this guy actually dunk? Does he have that kind of athleticism? <laughs> and I'm really I'm always curious too. Like we've talked about one foot or two footed leapers, especially with guards. I like guys who are one footed leapers because it means they can really drive and explode. You know, Russell Westbrook maybe being kind of the best example of like a great one footed leaper who doesn't need to gather himself off two feet in order to to explode to the rim. Um, and Troy Brown was an interesting guy because, like, he's a bigger player, and I I had a hard time finding many videos of him dunking yep. uh, a basketball. And so, um, again, like, yeah, he obviously has skill, but it's not at this point, you know, real proven shooting skill. 
Um, and again, that can come. Those are, that's something that certainly can be developed. And he's only, you know, he's not even 19 years old yet. So he's a young guy for his, for his year, but, um, and you like his, his passing and, you know, some of that stuff, but you know, he doesn't block shots at only seven blocks last year. So again, kind of hinting at the lack of athleticism. Um, so yeah, just, he feels very role player ish. And, you know, again, if he's a six, seven guy who never learns to shoot threes, um, you know, he has to be awesome at some other things. And, that, that's kind of a, I don't know, I'm not really comfortable with that gamble so much. Um, so I, I kind of struggled with this one a little bit. And again, guys can get more athletic. Like Tobias Harris didn't necessarily look super athletic coming out of college. Um, maybe, maybe he was a little bit doughy coming out of college. Um, you know, got more athletic, got stronger kind of as he came out, became a better shooter. Um, you know, and again, I don't know if Troy Brown is like a, a Tobias Harris type, but um, but reminds me a little bit in that both guys are really young freshmen who came out and, you know, were kind of slotted in very similar ranges in terms of the draft. Uh, obviously, the Bucks eventually took Tobias 19. So um, so anyway, uh, yeah, I'm I'm definitely not that excited about Troy Brown. Yeah, I'd, and it. I don't, I don't know. It's always interesting, like I said, as you parachute in uh, and try to figure out some stuff. Like, I was just kind of uh, – anytime I see playmaking listed as a strength for someone 6'7 or taller, like, to me, that's one of those things that you just get excited about. Like, that was, that was originally, I think, what was kind of crazy about Giannis was that he had that ability. And I know Zach Lowe has mentioned it before. I'm trying to think. I think there was like a – in like Chandler Parsons rookie or second year, um, he wrote something about Chandler Parsons and the like upper level passes that he would make, like where he would just kind of be off the dribble and read a cut well and make a, a pass that you had to have some vision for. So anytime I see a six seven guy with that, like I'm kind of thinking like, okay, that that shows you that there's upper level thought and, you know, that intelligence that I think you really want from any NBA player, but especially someone that is a little bit on the taller side, because that can really help create an offense that flows well, moves well and moves uh, the ball. Well, but man, hoping for a jump shot is a, is a scary thing. Um, as you try to build a bunch of switchy three and D wings. Um, so I, I've cooled there. Um, another person we've kind of jumped over. Uh, but when we were talking with Cole, it was someone that we had asked about, but he said he doesn't necessarily get to the international guys super early in his process those are guys that are a little bit later and i'm talking about elio kobo uh who is a french point guard six foot three six eight wingspan 180 pounds he'll be 21 i believe in august or september uh so a, a little bit more on the advanced size uh on the advanced side age wise but he's someone that I, like I said the other night, a lot of Bucks fans are excited about it. a lot of. Uh, I've seen a lot of Bucks fans kind of push him towards me, and I was curious why that was. And I'm always kind of, kind of leery when people kind of jump on the bandwagon of a player and push them uh, as you know their guy, just because I think a lot of times if that's the case, you're you're only looking at their strengths and you're kind of look, turning a blind eye to their weaknesses because you like that guy and you think that person fits. Um, and I got to say, as I watched his video and um, I had, 
Uh, during our podcast, Cole had mentioned Jackson Hoy is his guy at the Stepien that does more of the international prospects. Um, I read through Jackson's breakdown of Elio Cobo. I tweeted that out as well if you want to check that out. Um, and then had a little bit of a conversation with Jackson uh, because his original scouting report he had written in February. Um, and that was before uh, Okobo kind of... I mean, he kind of had a late-season explosion. Um, And most notably, it was a 44-point game that is off-referenced. And uh, I found out that that 44-point game actually came with uh, grit god Aaron Kraft covering him, Um, which (laughs) was just kind of of funny to hear um, because, again, I wasn't – really a hundred percent ready uh for that but uh he that was something that jackson had said that you know that 44 point game did come against someone that you know is noted for his on-ball defense and he kind of just embarrassed him in that game um and again some people would say you should embarrass Aaron Kraft because he's not in the NBA and he didn't make it there, but uh, he has, you know, kind of found him, found himself a career uh, overseas. So uh, it was just funny that he said uh, that was a stat. There, I should that was a factoid that I had no idea about. That that forty-four point game that everyone talks about actually happened with Aaron Kraft covering him. Uh, so I thought that was kind of interesting. But a- as I went through it. Um, well, Frank, there's uh, there's some off the dribble three, and uh, there's uh, some step back game with the three point shot, um, and that's really one of his his big strengths is that uh, looking at his Stepien uh, scouting report right now at the Stepien.com, and obviously you can read Jackson's breakdown, and I'd suggest that you do. Um, but looking at the second bullet point, amazing off dribble shooter with ability to get into shot quickly. And I mean, I think that's an exciting thing to see. And then he's got plus physical tools, six foot three with a six foot eight wingspan. There, there are definite concerns about turnovers. Um, he is someone who didn't originally play point guard and has been learning it the last few years, which is kind of the opposite of what I was thinking about. But he has really found a way to become a solid playmaker there. Maybe some concerns defensively, but Frank, I mean. I could draft DJ Augustine like that. <laughs> that, that that's exciting, right? It's gotta be. Wow. Wow. Locked on DJ Augustine. Uh, week enters week, week three, uh, week three of locked on DJ Augustine. I had to make um, a joke before you did. Cause I knew it was coming. Yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 watching him play, I mean, you know, aside from, uh, always comparing, you know, people like white guys to white guys, uh, you know, that's probably like the biggest sort of mental uh, sort of paradigm you can fall into, you know, not going across racial lines when you're doing comparisons. Um, another is with lefties, because Okobo is a lefty, is, is always comparing lefties to other lefties, which there's maybe a little bit of value in that, because again, it, lefties, they, there is a difference. Like if you've yeah. ever had to defend a lefty, it's a little bit different, right? Even at the NBA level. Um, but like watching Okobo, the, the guy I actually kind of thought of a lot was... Um, like Goran Dragic, like a younger Goran Dragic, um, because Akobo is like he's obviously become a good kind of off dribble jump shooter, a guy who can step back and, and shoot threes. Um, but he's not. There's still something about it that's like it's it, you know it's not like he's got like a super quick release. It's still like a little bit. Um, 
I don't know. I don't know. It's it's not. It's, we're not talking muskets, you know. We're not talking revolutionary war or anything like that. But um, but it is a little bit more deliberate, maybe than you know. I mean, look, he's not Steph Curry or you know, I guess in this draft, Trey Young, just sort of like whipping the ball, you know, uh, with with no hesitation or anything like that. Um, but he's got obviously much better size than a guy like Trey Young, six three, six eight wingspan, sort of is his measurables. Um, you know, for a guy who's as you said, not like a pure point guard or, or has learned that position, like you know, he has had good assist numbers. And um, you know, uh, again, like I think it, it, it seems like he's he has some promise defensively. Like I don't think he's necessarily like a lockdown defender. You know, a year ago, I think everyone was really excited about Frank Nilakina because he really projected. Nilakina is also a couple years younger than Okobo is now. He turns 21 in um, October, Okobo does, versus uh, Frankie Smokes was um, 18 coming into the league. So yep. he's, a, he's a couple years older, right? You got to factor that in. I mean, his, his numbers are certainly better than, than Nilakina's were a year ago, but, the, you know, again, uh, the age is a big reason why. Um, but, you know, again, you think he could probably be uh, a good enough defender. Um, he's, again, not maybe super explosive, but seems reasonably athletic and, and again, has good size. And, um, you know, kind of like Dragic also, you know, reminds me, like, not young Dragic had had his moments athletically um but he's obviously much more of a finesse sort of craft guy than than anything you know i think that would probably be more of a kobo's um you know kind of route to uh to, to being a really good player um so that might be his his absolute ceiling i guess like a goran Dragic type uh, again I'm, I'm making this up just watching like you know a handful of of these scouting videos on on youtube right so i'm not going to pretend to know that much about him but um but he's an interesting player and and again as you said the off dribble stuff um and having good size is is also interesting and again a guy who potentially could play you know two ways and and france you know the, the one of the good things is the french league is probably the most athletic um of the foreign leagues i know jonathan goboni mentioned that on the podcast he did with zach Lowe today which was really interesting you definitely should look at it um by the way zach i i think we said something last night about like the val questioning the value of centers and i think we specifically mentioned dwayne deadman as being like you know if you could just go out and get dwayne deadman for under the mle every year like yeah. do you really want to go draft and i think zach said pretty much pretty much the exact same thing today so uh shout out to us for having <laughs> at least at least one one original thought that was similar to an original zach low thought um but uh but yeah akobo is definitely interesting he's a guy i could i could certainly talk myself into um at 17 um you know, and again, it would be kind of interesting as well because you know it's another point guard to kind of throw into the hopper. But you know, at six three, six eight wingspan, um, he's not like a you know like a dwarf or something like that. He's not like a DJ Augustine height wise, at least. So in theory, you could argue, well, yeah, I mean, you can play him off ball. You can have him kind of do some different things. So, um, so yeah, he's an interesting player. Yeah, I, I like I said, when I see a lot of people excited about someone, I try not to you know just immediately blindly just start watching them and thinking this guy's gonna be great and. Um, just as I read through him, I thought it was really interesting. Jackson mentioned that um, he, for point guards in this draft, he had uh, he had Trey Young first, and then it was a toss up for him between uh, SGA and Okobo, and eventually he rated Okobo fourteen and SGA fifteen on his big board. But it, it's interesting to kind of think I, I for much of this kind of time i know bucks fans have been excited about i don't even know like Kyrie thomas aaron holiday and for me those were 
two guys that like I get it because you know they they should be able to defend a little bit and then also like hit some threes and like I can get the the idea with the three and D kind of point guard to go along with Giannis but I think one thing that you and I have always talked about is that you just need playmakers all over the floor. Like, yeah, just having a three and D guy at some point can be, can be limiting. And I think the idea that someone could, you know, create their own shot make make their own plays um, is interesting to me. I think the one thing that as I'm going through Okobo that I just continue to think about was um, the big thing with him is that he doesn't have like a lightning quick first step. And, a lot of the time, it's the threat of his jump shot off the dribble and his step back three uh, that kind of get defenders to come out and and crowd him, and then that's when he gets to the rim. But also, a lot of times, he's not quite getting to the rim, um, and he's struggled at times at the rim and in the in the in between areas with floaters and stuff like that. Um, so again, if the shot is real, then he can get through those things. But if not, I mean, we kind of talk about with point guards, the thing that takes them to the next level is that ability to finish at the rim. And sometimes that's kind of like a Kyrie Irving where he's not finishing over the top of people, but he is able to use the glass in a certain way. Um, Obviously a guy like Russell Westbrook is able to just finish at the rim on people. Um, So, and, and I think Goran Dragic is an interesting case to think about because the, when he exploded on the scene was, well, when he started shooting at the rim, a crazy percentage and Dragic is one of the best uh, when he's right, is one of the best rim finishers from the point guard position. So um, I'm interested and I can see why people sent him my way. So shout out to all of you people that did send him uh, my way. And I'm, I'm officially intrigued. And like you said, I think I could talk, I think I could talk myself into him at 17 if the bucks were to select him. Yeah, for sure. And, and he seems like a guy who there's a good chance he'll actually be there. Right. Where there's a lot of other guys like, you know, Shay Shay Alexander. Yeah, I'd be excited about him, but I don't. I don't. I really don't think he's going to be there. Yeah. Or like Miles Bridges. You know, I think there's been. I think I've seen him in mocks, like going to like 15, sometimes even 16. I haven't seen him actually fall all the way to where the Bucks are. Um, but like Miles Bridges, yeah, sure, you could talk me into that, especially as like a kind of clear Jabari replacement type option. Um, you know, and we talked about a year ago that he. There's some like kind of you know, more well-rounded Jabari, maybe a little bit less kind of physically dominating or or physically kind of unique. Um, But in terms of like an athletic guy who can shoot threes and hopefully actually play some defense, um, you know, he's interesting as well. But, but yeah, there's definitely a a bunch of those guys. And um, although I don't know, interesting to see, you know, we mentioned yesterday, Jerome Robinson, the guy that was um, currently mocked in the, the draft, the uh, draft express, the Jonathan Gavoni ESPN mock. Um, certainly will be interesting to see if that changes over the next couple of days. Cause I think that's the highest um, that anybody has Robinson going. Uh, it looked like he's due to work out uh, a couple more places um, this week. So we'll see if he tries to move up further, but I, you know, as you mentioned last night, I don't, really understand i'm surprised that jerome robinson is even as high as mocked as high as 17 to be honest just based on kind of reading some of the opinions of him the questions about his defense he certainly can seems like he has some of the ability to fill it up offensively um and kind of that big group of guys you know it's kind of like combo guardish sized guys um who have scoring ability 
but you know again as you said you know he's also uh was a junior in in college last year so he's a bit older so you'd expect yeah you know if he's good he's gonna develop into that type of player over time whereas some of these other guys you're talking about you know freshmen sophomores um who who have maybe done as much or or potentially even more as as he has especially when you factor in defense so um anyway i'm sure we'll talk about all the latest rumors here over the next couple days because there will be be no shortage of them all right I think that's going to be it for us for tonight. Uh, We will obviously be back tomorrow to talk a little bit more about the draft. And then obviously we'll have a a podcast for you on Thursday to get you ready for Thursday night. And then Thursday night we'll have to go through what happens during the draft. And that'll be our Friday podcast. So busy week coming up here. We'll keep it rolling. We'll keep it moving. For Frank Madden, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you tomorrow.